Uh, well, guys, we've been talking about church, and we began this series, Next Step Church, with this revelation uh, that God doesn't want us to just wander around in the wilderness, right? He always leads us to the wilderness to prepare us for something. We're not just meant to wander. And we said, in fact, if you've ever felt that way, that you're just wandering spiritually, uh, that there's an answer. And that answer is, is, is this truth that God actually has a path for you to follow spiritually. And that's what we're talking about in Next Step Church. What is, this, what is the path to spiritual transformation that the Bible outlines for us? And so uh, we began, the first step in that path is Jesus right? Uh, worshiping Jesus as Lord is how we get on the path to transformation. You've got to have Jesus to start looking like Jesus, all right? You can't be on the outside looking in. You can't just read the Bible. You can't just go to church. You can't just sing some songs. You can't just give some money. You have to worship Jesus as Lord. That means that you bring your whole life before Him. You say, I submit to you. You have me. You take control of me. When you worship Him as Lord and you give Him your life, that's when transformation begins. That's not when it ends, that's where it begins. That's how we get on the path, right? And so the second step we talked about last week, worshiping God and community and the importance of community. And this morning I want to talk to you about the third step. And it, it, it's, it's just a little deeper, right? And that's learning to worship Jesus as a member of his church, right? Learning to worship Jesus as a member of his church. So I know we had the Lord's Supper. I also have a four-point sermon, which I don't do often. So we got a lot to get through before I can get you off uh, where you need to go. But there's four things I want to share with you this morning. And here's the first. I want you to understand uh, this truth. Since Jesus died for the church, since Jesus died for the church, belonging to the church is of utmost importance, all right? Since Jesus died for the church, belonging to the church is of utmost importance. Now, I, I want to I tell you this is true, okay? This is what you walked in knowing. God loves you, okay? That's absolutely true. God loves you and Jesus died for you. That is true. That's kind of what we, we cling to in American Christianity. That is absolutely true. I'm not here to take away from that truth. I'm here to deepen it, Okay? It is absolutely true that Jesus died for you. It is equally true that you are part of a larger group of people of which he died for. And that group of people is called his church. Right? At Ephesians 5, Paul writes it this way. He says, Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself for her. Another translation says, gave himself up for her. Right? What that passage means is that Jesus died, not just for you individually, although that's true, but he died so that you individually, and 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 you individually would live collectively as a body of believers known as his church, and then that church would be a transforming force in, in the world. Okay? So, so this is big. This is big. Jesus loves you. He did die for you. That's true. But, but he laid down his life so the church would be born. Okay? And, and, and so if that's true, and, and listen, we, we have to say that in today's world because it's really popular today to bash the church. Right? It's really popular today to just point out all of her flaws and her failures and we forget of her importance. Jesus died for the church. So that's where we have to begin our conversation if we're going to talk about church membership, okay? So we start there. The second thing I would share with you is this, is that God doesn't just want you to belong to the global church. 
And he also doesn't just want you to attend the local church. And I want to explain that, but I'm going to leave it on the screen for a second. Let that linger. God doesn't just want you to belong to the global church, and he doesn't just want you to attend a local church. He says, Pastor, what on earth are you talking about? Well, I drew you a picture, okay? So here's, listen, I made this graphic this week. It's not bad, right? I, now, I stole it from somewhere, but I made it myself in Canva. It was good. It's good, all right? Totally borrowed it, but I did make this. Uh, I added the color. I think it's better. I'm just saying, my gra- I, I'm, it's humility, humility. Uh, it's a pretty good graphic. Uh, so, so there's four groups of people when it comes to the church. I want to walk through them uh, in semi-order. So let's look at that, that first circle, group A. Um, you'll notice those are people that have got, got an X. Those, those are people without Christ. And they're people without Christ that are outside the church. They typically know they're without Christ. Um, they, they know that they're not in the church. It's pretty evident in their life. So these are people without Christ, and, and they're not in the church. So that's, that's one huge group in our world today. Uh, then we have group B, okay? Now notice, like, look really closely at the people in group B, and you'll notice they look exactly like the people in group A. You guys follow me? So these are also people without Christ, but there's a difference. They are located within the local church, or we also call that the visible church. Every church you walk into, there are people there that are, are, are either not yet followers of Christ. They kind of break down into these two groups, okay? So one group are people that um, their life has just gotten to a point, they're, they're seeking they're looking for answers. So they don't, they don't have Christ yet, but they've come actually looking uh, for answers, which is awesome. That's what church is supposed to be about. So they're there, they're searching, that's great, okay? But there's another group of these people in the church, and, and it's not so great. There are people that think they found the answer, but they never did. Uh, they like religion, they like checklists, uh, they like rules and order, they don't have Jesus, they like power, they like authority, and, and they can't get it anywhere else. So they come to the church, and they start to own it and say, it's got to be my way. It's got to do this. You've got to look like that. And, and man, it makes church ugly. It makes church ugly. And Jesus warns about these people. He tells his followers, you need to look out for uh, the wolves that are in sheep's clothing. You've got to look out for those people amongst you. Okay, so, so listen, we've got, we've got group A. These are people without Christ that are outside of the church. But then we have group B. These are people without Christ that are inside the church. Okay, now I want to skip over to group D. Okay? So who's group D? Group D are people that have Jesus. They're people whose lives have been transformed. They are saved. They're going to heaven. Uh, they have worshipped Jesus as Lord. Uh, but listen, for some reason or other, they're not inside a local church right now. They're, they're, they're not a part of the local church. They, they don't belong to a local church right now. So we, we, we're, they're part of the global church but they're not part of a local church. This happens for a lot of reasons. Maybe you're one of those people right now. Maybe you moved recently. We have so many people that moved to town, and, and, and we greet them, and they're like, we're just trying to find a church. We're looking. So they, they don't belong to one yet. That, like, they're not giving them some, but they're, but they're looking, right? I, I know some other people that uh, maybe they were injured in a church. They're believers, but man, something happened. It was traumatic. They say, I just, I just, man, I, I love Jesus. I just, I just don't like those people, right? And, and so they say something like that. Others meet, meet Jesus, but they, 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 they met him at, at some like event or, or, you know, somebody shared Christ with, they, they just don't understand the importance of church yet. And so they're part of the global church. But listen, I, I believe wholeheartedly God's goal for you is actually letter C in that diagram. And those are believers, right? 
Because, listen, D is good. It's, be, it's way better than A and B, but it's not ideal. But, but C, that's, that's the group God wants you to be a part of. These are believers that belong to a local church. All right? And I want to tell you why it's important. Uh, that is God's plan for his kids. It always has been. Okay? It always has been. Uh, and, and, and his intention is to use those people at group C to transform the entire world. In fact, to transform eternity. That's God's plan throughout Scripture. So always has been his plan, this, this thing called church. These people are called a church. Right? And so I, I want to say this to you because uh, I love you. But I'm going to say it to you anyway. There is no sense, this is our next slide, there's no sense of not belonging to a local church in the New Testament. It's not. You can, go, go read it. I mean, you just, just start it off, right? Start it off. There's, there's no, you, you read from, from the first book in the New Testament to the last. There's zero sense of not belonging to a local church in the New Testament. We, we kind of covered this when we talked about community, right? So the church actually begins, there's 120 people praying obediently, waiting for the promised Holy Spirit that Jesus said would come. Day of Pentecost comes, the Holy Spirit falls upon them, they begin to speak in tongues. Uh, the crowd uh, that's gathered for Pentecost there, all the Jews hear it in their native language, languages. Uh, some people think they're drunk. Peter stands up says, we're not drunk, this is the promised Holy Spirit, Jesus promised it, he's in heaven now, we watched him ascend, because you killed him, but he conquered death, and, and they, they were pricked to the heart, 3,000 said, what, what must we do, be baptized, right, so repent and be baptized, 3,000 are saved and become, so the church, day one, the church is 3,120 people, day one, right, and so that's, that's the church, and that's, that's what it looks like, okay, but listen, then persecution breaks out. Because they're meeting in the synagogue. And the Jewish people are like, man, that's a lot of people meeting in the synagogue. And all these people used to be our people. And now they belong to this thing called the way. And we don't like it because we want power. Because those people exist in the church. And so they persecute them to the point that they're, they're, gonna, uh, they're, they're literally going to try to bring them back, um, punish them, put them to death. Uh, there's a guy named Saul that's really good at this, by the way. He would go out hunting these people belonging to the way, bringing them back. Guys, there were mass drownings where they would take uh, uh, 150 people, uh, tie them all together, push them off bridges, and they would all drown. I mean, th this is persecution we're talking about. But listen, as they ran for their lives, you know what they did? They started churches. Philip leaves Jerusalem, goes to Samaria, and establishes a church with the Gentiles. And the Jews are like, what's up with that? Man, they're, they're doing all the things that we were doing. And so they actually come to Samaria, and they're like, nope, this is legit. These are really followers of the way, right? And so everywhere that people go, that guy named Saul, uh, Jesus meets him on the road to Damascus, changes his life. And then, and then when he's in the church in Jerusalem, they literally, the Holy Spirit calls him out. He and Barnabas says, you're going to go start churches. That's what you're going to do. Jesus, our Lord and Savior, uh, speaks to John, right, in the book of Revelations. You guys remember? Who does Jesus write the book to? The what? The churches, right? The church. There is no concept of not belonging to a church in the New Testament. It just doesn't exist. And I say that, I say that in love. And maybe you've been injured by a church. I'm so sorry. The church is full of people. Not all of the people there have Jesus in them. Okay? But the church is the plan of God for the transformation of the world. The church is the plan of God for the transformation of the world. 
It's really, really important. So we begin here. Church is important uh, because Jesus died for the church. God doesn't just want you to belong to like a global, uh, invisible church. He actually wants you to be, and He doesn't just want you to attend. He, he wants you to, to have Him, His Spirit living in you, and He wants you to be involved in a local church, which is kind of the third point, really. I just gave it away. God desires you to belong to and partner with a local church and its mission. If God doesn't want me just to be part of the global, and He doesn't want me just to attend a local, what does He want? He desires for you to belong to and to partner with a local church and its mission. I want you to hear how the Apostle Paul describes early Christians, because it kind of, it throws me for a loop a little bit. This is not how we would describe a lot of American Christians, okay? So, I want you to hear the description, and when you think of like, you know, you've got friends, like, oh yeah, they're believers. Like, so when you think of your typical average American believer, I, I wonder if the word that Paul uses, like, you go, oh yeah, that's who they are, right? So, so I just want to share, so he's writing the church in Philippi, Philippians 1, 3 through 5, he says, I thank my God every time I remember you and all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy, ready? Because of your, what's that word? Partnership. Man, I always thank God because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. He calls these early believers partners, right? They're not lesser beings. They're not attenders. They literally are partners. They, they're, they're, they're connected together. There's ownership in that. He's saying, listen, man, we own this thing together, right? We're all a part of it. Okay, and in fact, he, he goes on, I said I'd be in Romans, uh, I want to read from Romans 12. You can also find this in 1 Corinthians 12. This one kind of applies a little more to what we're saying this morning. If you want to read about other gifts, read 1 Corinthians 12. But here we go, this morning, Romans 12, starting in verse 3. This is his, his description of, of, of these partners and, and why there's ownership in it. He says, for by the grace given to me, I tell everyone among you not to think of himself more highly than he should think. Instead, think sensibly as God has distributed a measure of faith to each one. Now, as we have many parts in one body, and all the parts don't have the same function, in the same way, we who are many are one body in Christ, and individually members of one another. According to the grace given to us, we all have different gifts. If prophecy, then use it to the proportion of one's faith. If service, use it in service. If teaching and teaching, if exhorting and exhort in exhortation, giving with generosity, leading with diligence, showing mercy with, with cheerfulness. And he'll go on with some instructions as a whole about how to live together and, and walk out the gospel. But the point is, is, Paul knew of no church where everybody wasn't in together. Paul knew of no church where there were just attenders. He only knew of a church where there were partners. Where together they came and he said, listen, there are things that I can do that you can't do and that's okay. But there are things that you can do that I can't do. And Paul would say, I need you to do your things. And I'll do my things. And, and they'll do their things. And together like all the parts in a body and all the ligaments and all the muscle, we will move forward with this gospel and share this truth with the world. But that picture doesn't work if we're not partners. It doesn't. Anybody ever had a 
portion of your body fall asleep? Anybody ever had that happen? So I want to I submit this to you. Now listen, my life changed when I met Jesus, okay? Can we just throw that out there? Happened when I was about 20. Uh, life radically changed. And I mean everything changed, including the way that I thought about education and, and uh, learning. All that changed, right? I started going to class and paid attention, all that. And I was always pretty decent in school, but I could kind of slough off. And uh, one class in particular, it was a history class. We had a coach teaching it. Uh, to keep people awake, he would throw dry erasers at them. So we kind of came up with a challenge. We thought that he couldn't really catch us. He wouldn't really know who was sleeping. We got any, I'm not going to pick on my students. If you've been in high school anywhere recently, you have ways that you can kind of sleep, right? right? I mean, you look like you're studying. You've got your head here, and, and, and I could even sleep and move my hand a little bit. I don't know how I did it, but I, I, I think I, I just figured out. So uh, we had this one class, and I, I got next to, I got next to there, was a, there was a whiteboard over on the side of the class. My desk was the furthest over to the right, and I would put my arm up on the whiteboard, and I'd look like I was studying, prop the book up. I'd look like I was studying, you know, and, and like it, it was great. It was great. And so one class in particular, I fooled him. He didn't catch me. I, 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 heard the, I heard the thing flying and hitting other people. I never got caught. It was awesome. Bell rings and I'm like, I killed it this class. And I get up and I close my books and I, I go to stand up. There's, there's blood flow right here under the arm that leads down to your legs, y'all. Okay? I, I leaned up against that, that side of that whiteboard and that whole side of my body was asleep, and I didn't know it. I stood up out of the desk, took one step, and I mean, it was, it was great. I mean, the whole, everybody, ah! uh, I was caught. The teacher busted me. He's like, hey, dude, I'll see you at lunch detention. It was awesome. So, um, listen, didn't function so well when a portion of my body was asleep, right? I looked kind of lame, looked kind of funny, and the church today, Y'all, to a lot of people, looks kind of lame and walks kind of funny, right? Because we need everybody partnering. We need everybody doing their task. And so what, what does that look like? Last part is, I'll share with you that partnership in a local church involves participating in community, ministry, generosity, authority, and accountability, Okay? Partnership in a local church involves participating in community, ministry, generosity, authority, and accountability. Okay? Now, there's unity you could throw in there. I think all these things have to be done uh, with a sense of unity. But I just want to walk through these quickly. So let's, let's just look at that, that first one, partnership, um, actively participating in community. We talked about that last week, right, that no man is an island. Okay, and spiritually speaking, all islands get swallowed up. That, that literally, iron sharpens iron. So uh, we, as believers, have to do life with other believers. We have, to, uh, we have to take what is taught in large group, we have to break it down in small groups, talk about our life circumstances, uh, encourage one another, pray for one another, um, it, like, like spur one another on to love and good deeds. So community is really important. So we've got to participate in that. But we also have to participate uh, in ministry. Okay? The church is not... Like a social club. It's not, we're not a country club. Country club, you can pay your fees, and then everything is about what they do for you. Right? I mean, I can go, and they'll bring me meals, and I get to do this, and I get to... It's all, like, uh, that's all you got to do. You just got to pay a fee, and then everything is done for you. And the church isn't, isn't that. You remember Kennedy's famous speech, Ask not what you can do for your country? Right? What's the next part of that? Or ask not what your country can do for you. Let me switch that around. But what you can do for your country. That's the famous part, right? Ask not what your country can do for you, but what you can do. For... Yeah, that's it, right? And so, so listen, 
in, in, in a similar sense, ask not what your church can do for you. Right? My question is, what are you supposed to be doing for the church? Like, we're partners. And, and so if we view this place as consumer, that, 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 there, there are no sidelines in Christianity, y'all. I, I know we like that on Friday. I know we like to sit in the stands and tell everybody else what they should do. But in, in the Christian life, there are no stands, man. There's not. We are all on the field. So there's no such thing as Christian observation. We're all doing it together. You know there's a huge difference between being a fan and being on the field? Ever been there? Right? Who's played sports in the room? Anybody at any time in life? Big difference, right? It's, it's a big difference, right? When you're on the field, man, you're in it. Like these people up there, they're, well, they should have done that. They should have done this. My coaches are like, heck yes, amen. Just say amen real loud, Jake. Say amen, right? I mean, that's right. I mean, they know, like, yes, all, all the, oh, they always know what to do. You know, but when you're in the game, man, there's all these nuances those people aren't seeing. But guess what? Same is true with your Christian walk. You've got to be in the game. There are things down here. You can sit back and judge the church. You can judge its leaders. You can judge its programs. You can judge its ministries. You can do all of that. It's easy to do from the sidelines. But the, again, the Bible knows nothing of Christian sidelines. It's just, it's just not a biblical concept, right? But when you're in it, then you can see. You go, oh, you know what? That, that's not something I should complain about. That's actually my missed assignment. Ha-ha! Boy, if the line would just do that. Well, you're the line. You're in the stands. Yeah, we need blockers. You're right. That's your, get your butt in the game. Let's go. It's a big deal. It's a big deal. So we participate in community. We can participate in ministry. We, we participate in generosity. You might want to write this down somewhere. Ready? Here it is. Generosity fuels mission. It does. Generosity, it multiplies mission like you wouldn't believe. The early church, they spread quickly. You remember a, a dude that helped that greatly? Remember his name? They gave him a name. Barnabas. It's just a generous spirit. Takes an entire field and sells it and just lays it at the feet of the apostles. Whew. Right? Generosity fuels mission. We, we expect you to participate in generosity. Same is true for us. By the way, that's what Paul's writing the Philippians about, about their giving. Man, you partnered with us. You're not, you're not even in Jerusalem. You're not, you're, but we're ministering to the poor in Jerusalem. You're fueling our ministry. Man, you're partners with us. The same is true here, man. I, anytime you drive by the high school, you're a partner in that. You're a partner in every ounce of concrete. You're a partner in every piece of rebar. You're a partner in every piece of steel that's going up. You're a partner in it. And when lives are transformed, when marriages are saved, when, when, when kids are, are baptized, right? Like that, that was God working through you. It wasn't about the ministries of our church. It wasn't about the path. It was God using you as partners. That's a big deal, right? We don't just partner in generosity. We also partner in authority. Guys, there's one primary authority at our church. Uh, Lord called me here a little over 12 years ago. Um, when we come up on, on Easter, I guess Palm Sunday will be 13. Uh, it's cool. But when I came, I said, listen, y'all, I'm, I'm 33. I'm young and dumb, and I say some words I probably shouldn't say from the pulpit. I'll work on that. Uh, 
I love you, Lindy. She looked at me. She peeked at me. She's like, yeah. Lindy used to write them down for me. She'd remind me. I got a list. Mentally, mentally, she'd, she'd remind me. It was good. It's good. Uh, but my one deal was, hey, listen, I know what small town First Baptist churches, I know what they're known for. And we can only be known for the Bible. So we can't be about not drinking, not dancing, not chewing or, you know, dating girls that are doing. We can't do, like, okay, we get Bible. That's it. We've got to teach the Bible and what it says. This is our authority. This is the authority. When you sign up, you say, I'm going to fuck Jesus, your Lord, right? You know, another word for Jesus is Word of God. <laughs> He's the Word, right? He is literally the Word of God in the flesh. The Word became flesh. We submit to Jesus here. And, 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 and so that's, that's our authority. So the Bible's going to be our authority and, and as such, the Bible calls out positions, right? There's pastors, okay? You guys, you guys pay us. You also have to trust us, right? You also get to hold us accountable, which is awesome. Your deacon body does that, by the way. They make sure that we're living the right kind of life so that we can serve you faithfully, okay? But there's, there's authority here. And, and we, we need it. We need it. We, we act like, yes, I'm grateful for it. Anybody grow up in a home where there was a lack of authority? Not awesome. Oh, really? <laughs> you? You? Really? Her brothers are like, amen, that's right. Okay, from now on, you want to see no authority this week, your room's getting checked every day. <laughs> every day, that's what you get when you want to be cute in church. All right. She's like, I'm never raising my hand again. I thought I was in that sermon. We also participate in accountability. It's something that we sign up for. We ask our deacons to hold us accountable. Uh, but the Bible calls for accountability for all believers. That's what it means to be a part of the church. Okay? We participate in accountability. Hey, listen, if I'm not living right, I'm giving you space to speak into my life. Man, correct me, rebuke me, train me up in righteousness. Help me be the man I'm supposed to be. Right? Accountability. It's a big deal. It's a big deal. So, what do we do with that thought, this concept of the church? Three things, and uh, I'll let you go. Okay, number one, uh, we've been saying it every week. You gotta, this is how you get on the path. You accept Christ. Worship Jesus as Lord. That's how you get on the path. If you're here and you have never accepted Christ, His death on the cross for your sins, you have to do that today. That is how you get on the path. You say, Jesus, I, I'm, I'm a sinner. I'm a wreck. I need you in my life. Forgive me of my sins take control of me. That's how you get on the path. That's how it starts. So that's step one, okay? Step two, uh, I want to challenge you to become a member of the church, all right? I get it. Some of you are just visiting. It doesn't have to be this, but you need to be plugged into a church, right? That's God's goal for your life. And so I wanna, maybe if you have been visiting for a while and you're like, I really kind of like this church, then join. Be a member of this church. This is where I said there's a huge advantage to having digital notes. If you have digital notes, under this point in your digital notes, there is literally a membership form you can click on right now. You can click on the link and it'll take, you can start filling it out. Like, that's, like, like, listen, that's how it works. So it's awesome. Now, if not, that's cool. Uh, we've got a whole team of greeters. Uh, Pastor John will be up here. We'll have some other folks up there. We, he has membership forms on him right now. And at the end of the service, just come see us, and you can become a member of this church. And then we'll talk to you about all that that means, okay? Uh, by the way, that doesn't mean that 
today, this very day, you get introduced to the church and we act like nothing. Like, no, it means like we get your info. You come sit down with us. We talk about your salvation experience. Like, like, we, like we're going to, and then we're going to talk to you about how to get plugged in. So that's what it looks like. So we want to challenge you to do that. Uh, third, guys, I would just challenge you to actively participate in the life of the church and let God use you to bless others. Uh, so there is, there is no not belonging to a church, a local church in the New Testament. Equally, in the New Testament, there is no sense of not participating actively in a church. Just, just didn't exist. Because back then, it cost you your life. Right? Back then, it was, it was, it was this kind of commitment. We're saying, hey, I think it should probably be that kind of commitment. Right? We need to be all in. We believe in participating. So if you're not doing that, I want to challenge you. Take the next step. Talk to us about how to get plugged in. Uh, we will help you. If you don't want to talk to us in person, just email us this week. Uh, you can email uh, jason at fbcelgin.org. You can email office at fbcelgin.org. John, yours is so long. It's like, oh, is it just John now? Yes, we've changed it. Or John. At, just pick a J name at fbcelgin.org and see if it goes through. Uh, we'll make it happen, okay? Um, but we, we want to help you get plugged in and take the next step. Okay, guys, we have a motto around here. It's three commitments that we're all trying to be all in. in. And, and when we say, hey, participate, okay, we want to all participate in worship. We're a two-service church so that we don't have anybody stuck in a nursery that doesn't get to worship, right? So we want to worship. We want to learn. That's a commitment to furthering discipleship, and we want to serve. And I'm so proud of you guys. Uh, yeah, I, I had somebody this morning just earlier tell me, you know what, I'm loving this. And they're here, by the way, they get here before Sunday school starts, and they stay till after the last service. Huge, like four-hour commitment every day, and they're loving it. They're loving what the Lord is doing, man. That's the kind of participation we're talking about. I'm going to pray for us. We have a couple announcements, and then, uh, and then uh, we'll close this out. Father, thanks for loving us. God, thank you for this thing called the church. Like, before time began, you had a plan that involved your son, right? Redeeming us, ascending into heaven, sending us a spirit that we'd be empowered to be the church. And through the church, you desire to change the world. God, thank you for that. Lord, I pray you would call people to that high calling this morning. Okay? Call them into that this morning. Holy Spirit, do what only you can right now. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.